Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following is excerpted from a session of Dharma Dialogues held in Lennox Head, Australia in September 2017. It's called A Quiet Within Apprehension. I also wanted to mention that we'd really appreciate your support of these podcasts. We offer them for free, but they're not free to produce and broadcast. In fact, we pay a little percentage of a penny per listen of each episode. Um, And as there are many thousands of people listening per month, that is starting to add up. (laughs) So if you're a regular listener, please consider making a one-time donation or a recurring donation. If you can afford even the equivalent of a cup of coffee per episode, that would help. You could also put a review up on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And of course, you're welcome to listen in whether you can afford to donate or not. often speak about coexisting awareness, right? That our awareness can be tracking several realities in a way at once. So lately, my realities have been, I've had a lot of apprehension in the last few days due to the hurricane that is about to hit. And because my 87-year-old mother is um, on the beach in in Fort Lauderdale in a high rise <clears throat> with some of her old lady friends, and um, so as you can imagine, because the news has been all over the place about the severity of it, although it changes, that the news about it changes hour to hour, it seems. But um, nevertheless, it's. It's apparently going to be quite a whopper to that region. And we don't know what will happen. Um, So there's a natural sense, a human sense of apprehension, right? And at the same time, there's a quiet. There's a quiet that is a coexisting awareness that is very powerful, very strong. And I notice in my life in general, whether something, you know, whether there's some kind of lovely thing that's about to happen or a troubling thing or whatever the story may be, I notice that there is this experience of coexisting awareness that part of my attention is floating along in whatever that story happens to be. And part of my attention, often the preponderance of my attention, is quiet in a kind of weird surrender. <laughs> just just quiet, just going, ah, so, here it is, such as it is. I have these phrases often, the suchness, right? The suchness of it. The suchness of this hurricane. And we have many hurricanes in our lives, swirling in our minds. And yet, every single one of them, the biggest hurricane ever, 
is surrounded by vast regions of space and silence. So to really experience your own beingness that way, sometimes there's a hurricane, sometimes there are little champagne bubbles floating through, sometimes worrying, sometimes apprehension. Sometimes excitement, beauty. So whatever the stream, the multi-dimensional realities, whatever they are, underneath it, through it, around it, is the quiet. And one begins to habituate in tuning at the very least in a coexisting way, but also possibly in a much more consistent way. Because in my own case, some of the pictures that are arising, and these are not, these are not wildly uh, paranoid pictures, these are real possibilities, some of the pictures that are arising is that at the very least, I imagine, they will be without power where my mother is um, for some indeterminate time. There may also be a huge uh, surge of the sea that will cover the bottom floors of her building. So it may be that she's stuck in this situation without power uh, for an indeterminate time, that that's probably the least that will happen. And so there are these feelings that are arising of compassion, of concern, of, of course, we may be cut off in terms of communication, so I won't actually be able to know what exactly is going on. This is a troubling thing, and as a human who cares about her mother... <laughs> Right? And and I have no story that says that I shouldn't feel this. I have no spiritual story whatsoever. I would find it, frankly, reprehensible um, for someone to propose such a story. And I've heard them over the years from various spiritual scenes. These kinds of ways of perceiving are uh, anathema to my sensibilities, truly. And I feel that they are... Um, spiritual bypass. Um, however, all of that said, I allow for the possibility of having our human emotions, our human feelings, our human apprehensions, our human looking forward to and enjoyments, and at the same time having this wonderful, free relationship to one's own quiet. Well, what about when the disturbance can get so strong that the quiet seems to disappear? Mm -hmm. um, I got on a trip to Brisbane to see family and the closer I get, the more anxiety I feel. Yeah. But, but but I'm not feeling it 
the way way I used to feel it. So, no, not as strong. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, it it's feeling quite strong, and I'm a bit like, oh, here 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 I go again. But yeah. um, and just feeling that sense of quiet, that the sense of inner space seems to have squashed up a bit. So when that sort of stuff returns like that uh, quite strongly, yeah. 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 And it's so, um, again, so human. It's very, it's a human thing that um, when there's circumstances that you know from past history trigger you into some sort of anxiety or whatever, um, there is apprehension as you approach those same kinds of experiences again. There's some apprehension that normally and naturally arises. So I would just say be gentle and kind to yourself through it. And even if you get rattled, don't make any big story about that, right? Don't add on suffering of I shouldn't be rattled when in fact I am rattled. Um, and... <laughs> and and then in that gentleness with yourself, sometimes then one finds the quiet, you know, that it slips through the slipstream, um, that, you know, that the quiet is sort of beckoning and sometimes in those cases where you are being strongly rattled. And this is also a habituation in in this kind of freedom. It's, it's a habit that gets stronger. Um, but you, you don't really have to apply your will too strongly. Um, I, I always say just let yourself love it. That's the main thing. Just love the taste of quiet. And in the middle of the rattling and in the middle of the tension, sometimes that... I also call it a haunting. Sometimes that haunting of just be, just be quiet. Let me just let this go, right? Let me return to home base for the moment. And just little interruptions like that are very powerful. Also, just in a practical way, with family circumstances, sometimes you just need to take a little break without making it, a drama or saying that I need a break, but you just go outside for a walk or go to whatever room you're staying in and just sort of reset as best as you can internally, right? Really use, use real practical things like that rather than get lost into your mind thinking, you know, what are, you know, what are some ways I can deal with this and... This is so annoying and it's so unfair and da-da-da-da, you know. It's really quite like the conditioning with family is so ancient. It's It's almost miraculous that you could have not seen them for 10 years. And as soon as you walk in the door, you know, it's like you're 10 years old again, you know. And... It's astonishing, you know, and um, I've marveled at it over the many, many years seeing my own family. (laughs) Um, So for myself, and I'm only offering this from my own direct experience, I allow, like, 
you know, the the crazy version of me <laughs> is definitely allowed to um, to <laughs> come to the fore um, in those circumstances. And because it sometimes is very painful, you know, and agitating, then the haunting for peace begins. Haunting. 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 Yeah. But it always gentleness with yourself and not trying to be beyond your own evolution in this, you know. That that would be a mistake. <laughs> Only in that it would be just more pain. That's what I mean by a mistake. It would just be adding to the already existing amount of pain and sorrow in the situation. Sometimes people make the mistake in spiritual circles that it's kind of all or nothing. That basically you're either this worldling who's just battered about by conditioning or you're entirely free of any emotionality, any madness in, of mind, any um, hatred, any negative thoughts, etc. And people have these sort of fairy tale beliefs. In fact, the whole term enlightenment, which I consider a fairy tale belief, implies some steady state whereby you're not subject to these kinds of um, difficulties any longer, mental difficulties, you know, that you don't get jealous and you don't have fear and you don't have anger and you're just perfectly equanimous, right? And I, I just don't buy it. I've, I've <laughs> honestly never seen it. I certainly don't see it in myself, but I have never seen it in another human being who I've come to know. Mm. And, and nor do I make any judgment about that. I don't have that expectation. The only little niggle of a judgment I would make is if someone's claiming that state when I know that they're not in it. That, that's annoying, but... <laughs> But, but, but the, you know, to have the expectation instead that we're all subject to human emotions and feelings and foibles. And at the same time, we have a kind of p potential, right, for this this ease through it or this at least this deep acceptance that is quiet and in that deep acceptance a lot of that negative material though it may arise it is denuded of power mm. right in that quiet deep well of being you're much less likely to act on your madness mm. even though it arises Right, so, so for myself, I actually celebrate the humanness that I see in my friends and in my teachers. I celebrate that. I love that. Mm. My teacher Punjaji once said to someone, uh, 
he said a line that I've thought about hundreds of times. He, he said, sometimes I'm not in satsang, meaning sometimes I'm not sitting in the truth. And I loved that he said that, right? It's, it was so, so honest, yes. And so, and it gives one permission to be completely authentic in this. As you were talking again about the coexisting coexistence, um, I was reminded that probably almost to the date, 29 years ago, I was six weeks off um, giving birth to my oldest son. And one of my gorgeous cats disappeared, never to be come, never to seen be seen again. again. Wow. And um, and I was devastated. Um, but at the same time, I was ecstatic. Yeah. And it was such an incredible lesson that that has carried through to, to yeah, now. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yes. Yeah. The that, agony and the ecstasy. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. And, yeah, I was. In hindsight, I was very grateful for for the lesson that that it can coexist. Yes, and 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 now I'm I'm like you. There there can be tremendous turmoil at times, but there is always that that undercurrent as well. Yeah. Sometimes I I do lose sight of it, but I know it's there. Yes, me too. Right. Sometimes it's it's um, it's like when the sun is obscured by the clouds in a day. You know, even though you can't see the sun, you, you do know, know it's, it's there. there. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah, very good. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I've got much to say, but I do, I do <laughs> notice um, when I sit here that, like, I thought I was actually, I thought I was pretty sort of still before I came in. And then when I come in, it's like, oh, I'm actually exhausted. Mm. It's like my whole, I sort of sink another level when I come and do this type of thing. It's like, oh, actually what I think is um, quiet isn't actually quiet, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. So I kind of get retuned down a little bit deeper and remember. Yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah. A deeper layer of of relaxation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But are you exhausted or is it just... Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. A little actually. both, yes. <gasps> yeah, and this is done. another thing to really um, let your own intelligence inform you about yeah. in the relaxation if there, is an, if there is a recognition, an awakening to the fact that you're exhausted. Mm. That's a really important message, mm. you know. I, I've noticed, in, especially in the residential retreats, almost everyone arrives exhausted from their lives, even though they're operating in their lives fairly, you know, well and fairly high-functioning. But often they come to the retreat and they realize just by the, you know, the, the offering of the retreat and the circumstance of it, that in fact they're like bone tired, you know, and and that it's it's another way of resting that we hardly ever get. It's like you're resting everything, you know. You're resting, you're resting the weary mind and the body. 
And then the, what happens is an energy, you know, an extraordinary energy wakes up after one is deeply rested. That's what happens. The energy comes back, you know, it's like the, the batteries are charged. One time years ago, um, at a retreat in California, Zaka Lake, really cool place in Southern California. And this person who had been, he'd been leading yoga at my retreats for years and years and years. Um, very close, very, very close friend. Um, and, but his day job was that of a software um, engineer. So he'd been on some big project and I hadn't seen him in a while because I was living in LA and he was living in Portland. So we hadn't seen each other. We were going to see each other at the retreat. And on the day he arrived at the retreat, I took one look at him and I said to him, you need to rest. And he said, I know. I said, all you have to show up for are the sessions of yoga. You know, you don't have to do anything else. You can sleep the rest of the time if you need to. And he said, I know, okay. So he kind of disappeared for the first few days. Um, He did show up to teach the yoga classes, but the rest of the time we didn't really see him around because he he was sleeping a lot. His body had to sleep, right? And after a few days, actually maybe four or five days out of the seven day retreat, he emerged and he was radiant again. Um, but at, at that point, he said to me, I think I was, I think if I had kept going, I was going to get ill. I was going to get sick. And I said, I, I had that same intuitive flash as well. I could see he was on the way there, you know, and it's so, I think it often happens actually with people, you know, that you, you, we're extraordinarily adaptive, you know, and we can adapt to a lot of things that are not so good for us, right? We just keep adapting the frog boiling in the water, you know? And and uh, again, with the, with the tuning the awareness to deeper and deeper quiet, you notice the subtlest signals, you know? You're, you're quite aware of the subtler you know, information that's being broadcast from your own system. So it's it's so powerful an ally that you, you start to rely on it to keep you on track. Even though we slide off track sometimes, but as Marianne was saying, there's this knowing that keeps you know, keeps operating and that keeps calling you back, gets you back on the straight and narrow. Um, and that's what I rely on. I, I rely on that. I, I, I have less and less projections of how I'm going to play something in the future and more and more a reliance on, okay, at the time, I'll make, I'll make the move as needed. I so relate, like, I'm the most rested version of myself that I ever have been. Mm. And the irony is that I actually teach people to rest. But at the moment, I'm on sabbatical. (laughs) 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 
good. Yeah, my clients are not so happy. But, you know, I'm, I got, you know, I was kind of going in this particular direction with the work and preparing to do a teacher training and it was all on track. And then I just had these kind of flashes and different things happen. But I got, I don't want to be in the story, but I, I got like... I'm exhausted. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've been working for myself, doing business, you know, renovating, doing life for 25 years. And it hasn't, it wasn't easy. The first few months, a lot of trauma and a lot of, you know, what was underneath. And, and I really got like, this is not for the faint of heart. To yes. Just go, I'm, you know, I'm going to actually put all my work down and not do anything. And yeah. I'm going to sleep every day and I'm going to, be in that stillness and yes. it's not always quiet and fluffy and right. and and you know visiting family and you know doing so, it's like the, there's little mini hurricanes and but in the background there's something I'm getting I have access to something that I didn't have access to before yeah and it's really beautiful yeah and then when you offer that when you ever if you ever uh, go back to that yeah. work, yeah. then you offer it from a much more authentic, powerful place, yeah. you know, that is actually the lived experience. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting like, you know, yes, I've been practicing every day, like I do my nap or I do my whatever, but this is like a way of being, Yes, you know, in the world. Yes, it is. There's just, there's no excuse to grasp onto the stresses or the, right. it's like... And even if one does occasionally, then you reset into relaxation. You know that that is the counter move that needs to now yeah. be honoured. Yeah, as soon as I sit, it's like, ah, yeah. I need to go there, actually. Exactly. Instead of just letting it roll on in a conditioned way, you know. So it's basically a kind of fine-tuning, a little bit of balancing as you go, that your own intelligence is operating, right? Mm. Just like my friend at the yoga retreat. I mean, yeah. the yoga teacher at the retreat, yeah. just like that. He, you know, there was a moment where he had to stop, mm. right? And had that retreat not been scheduled, he might have just kept going until there was collapse, yeah, well, I got those signs because I've had them before, you know. I've had the full breakdown. That's why I now live here and live like this. But yes. I, I just got that I need, there's more work to do yeah. <laughs> yeah. here. Sure, yeah, yeah. Dear to my heart because I, I mean, I just happen to have a system that if I push it, it's just goes toward collapse really <laughs> easily. <laughs> so... I have to be very delicate with it. <laughs> and, you know, and I also see it as my job, right? I mean, in a way, that's a kind of blessing. And it, it, it's, an, it's an, added, an added impulse, an added, you know. And I think, I mean, of course, that's a great privilege to have that kind of job. And people who are in, you know, the helping professions and mothers, mothers have to also keep it together and keep, keep your highest, and fathers have to keep, you know, a high flow going. Um, you know. Well, it's almost like our duty. Right? Yes, If we're going to be actually available. That's right. It is our to duty. To do what we're doing. Right. If we don't, you know, this whole like wearing, wearing busy and exhaustion like a badge of honour, I'm so over that. Oh, God, it's so true. I know. 
I know. I know. I know. It's so true. It's really amazing how that's become the sort of cool, you know, presentation. It's how busy. Everyone always says, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I just kind of (laughs) do a little mental eye roll. Anyway, thank you. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I'm loving this too and thinking why isn't this taught in schools when kids are really little and throwing tantrums and upset and, Mm. um, and also how easy it is to forget it. Yeah. Well... As you've often heard me say, the culture is broadcasting and the opposite message, you know, and to the little ones, you know, just, you know, just so much pressure. They all have homework. They have lots and lots of homework, it seems, you know. I don't even remember having homework when I was little. And I think I never did it when I was in high school. (laughs) When we did get assigned homework, I just didn't bother to do it. (laughs) You know, but even, but in my grade school years, we didn't really have homework. And therefore, my life was outside until dark. I was out on my bike riding miles away and having adventures and, you know, and playing in the woods and all things that are now much more unusual for children. Yeah, and I was reflecting on that um, pushing that we do, that you just mentioned, that I do really well. (laughs) I excel in that. Um, And most people do today. I know. And just that not listening to ourselves and, um, yeah, a mother, being a mother. Okay, my boys are grown up, but just remember that, just going on and on regardless of whatever they needed. And, uh, yeah, whereas the father would be feeling ill and go and lie down. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I I kind of thought of this coexisting awareness of um, as something that needs to be taught and that I just connected with... Um, like the breath, in between mm-hmm. the in-breath and the out-breath, mm. there's a pause. Yes. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah. So before yeah. you breathe in, there's a pause and then you breathe in mm. and there's a pause and you breathe out. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good and, and, and that's a very nice way, it's a nice metaphor to kind of think of I sometimes have used the term sprinkling the moments of quiet throughout the day, letting that be sprinkled in, right? Um, so that you have a sense that it doesn't have to be a steady, consistent, constant state, right? That just having that kind of, you know, inclination. And then it can lend as perhaps you're discovering and many of us have discovered, it can lend itself to just being easier in a simpler and quiet life, right? 
where I was like, it's like the engine gets turned off, not in a lethargic way, but just that that running motor into the future, right, gets released. And it's not that one doesn't have plans and doesn't have any relationship to ideas that are, are creative or relational or whatever, but that you're not driven, you know, you're not driven in it. And that's a big difference. It just feels different, you know. I'm also curious about um, when someone's had trauma, yeah, grown up with trauma, as many of us have, so our nervous systems are much more heightened. Mm-hmm. Um, so much more challenging. I mean, I've had my own kind of trauma. Um, so much more challenging to just kind of stop that shortness of breath and that, you know, um, yeah, just yeah. that um, kind of racing inside. And Yeah, I mean, I, um, of course, as you've heard me say, I also tend to anxiety, right, due to my own conditioning as a child. Um, So I don't have a, unless it becomes very, very acute, and then I do find some way to calm myself down, right? But as a general rule, knowing that I'm a kind of hypersensitive creature, I just let it be. I just kind of, you know, let it be as as it is. Last night, I was invited to dinner at someone's house. And they live off of Broken Head. You turn right at Broken Head from here, and you go way out into the dirt roads and the, you know. So the first thing that happened was I, tur- I took the wrong right-hand turn into a different labyrinth of dirt roads, at the at the Broken Head Community Center, I had turned right down this um, other warren and was lost there for about forty minutes. And then, and then I finally got to the other one because I ran into some people on the road and I asked them for where was Seven Mile Beach Road. So they said, you're in the completely wrong area, you have to go. So anyway, so then I went to a new area to be lost for a while. (laughs) And it's dark, and it's all like dirt roads, and I don't see so well in the night. I didn't have his phone number with me. Also, my cell phone was not getting reception all of the way. And so I was in this thing of feeling, you know, feeling some anxiety arising. And thinking, I'm just going to go home, right? But then, so, so I was driving out to go back to the main road. And I started thinking about how this particular friend, they'd been looking forward to the dinner and, you know, I, I thought, okay, I have to figure out one more last attempt to get there. <laughs> so... So uh, I didn't have his phone number, but I went. I finally got to cell reception, and I went on to Safari and looked him up. And lo and behold, I found his number on, on online. I didn't expect to. Um, 
And, but I did. I found his number, and I thought, now the next thing is they're having a dinner party. He's probably not going to be answering the phone, but I called, and he did answer the phone. <laughs> so he was able to give me directions to get back there. But it was still kind of a harrowing drive, actually, you know, with lots of hairpin turns and little drop-offs. From, you know, it was all of those things. So I, I was aware that the system was being triggered. And... But that was that was it. That was just that was just the end of the story. It was so triggered. The acceptance of it makes a big difference rather than some other story attached to it. Yeah, I mean it's just just like the way that you accept an animal who's a nervous animal. Right? Just the way the same way you don't expect it to be other. Right? And it's the exact same thing. You don't have an expectation you should be anything other than as you are. And then there can be this, again, this gentle coexisting awareness that, that is just quiet in the face of it and is not on any kind of program to change it. Now, if it, all, if it releases on its own... Or, as I said, sometimes if it's an acute, if it's in an acute phase and it's becoming so uncomfortable, then use whatever tools you can to calm it, calm yourself down. But if it's just this general way that you're a creature that gets triggered fairly easily, in a certain way, you know, so be it. And see, that's the freedom. So whilst you were driving those roads, mm-hmm. those dirt roads, did you have that coexisting stillness? Yeah, I was, I was definitely feeling the anxiety being triggered. But there, I wasn't going into some sort of panic about it. I just was also kind of witnessing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'm hesitant to use that word, but that is also a little bit how it feels, you know, just... Something was just quiet and, you know, recognizing the bigger picture of the situation. Uh, you mentioned in your summary, shortly after my arrival, a, um, a term, the, uh, the well of being, hmm. the, the concept that was coming to mind for me during during your summary was um, with this uh, uh, coexistence you're talking about it's um, there's a greater container mm-hmm. for all of the comings and goings of Very the, good. Mm-hmm. of the mind body animal experience yep um, the reason we roll out the yoga mat, sit on the meditation cushion, engage in holistic psychotherapy, read and book of that ilk, sit in satsang, is to deepen that awareness Mm -hmm. of the container. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's what I'm here for. Yeah, (laughs) lovely. Beautiful. Yes, beautiful. I love the way you said that. Yes, to deepen deepen the awareness of that container. Yeah. And of that permeating container, you could say. It's permeating existence. It's permeating all of our um, experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the power, certainly, of satsang. It's just to sit in the reminder, you know, and to, in an osmotic way, transmit it to each other. When you spoke to Michael, I think, um, about the spaciousness. And I'm just sensing in my body right now the... um, all that anxiety and all that whatever story it is, like how contracted that is mm. and the spaciousness just is just so vast. Yeah. It's, I'm just kind of having a sense of that in my body. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it's... It's just such a small, I mean, the contraction is strong, but it's so tiny compared to the vastness around it. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, just this image I have. Yes, right. I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So then there can also be a sense of, even when the anxiety is arising, it's arising in space, as all things are. You know, people think they're arri- that, these, that their experiences are arising in a tiny closet when it's arising in the universe, right? So it's, again, it gives you that sense of more space around the arisings, right? You don't feel locked in with them. And I guess to your, to your question about that drive last night, that was also the sense, is that I didn't feel locked in with the anxiety. It was just arising, you know, in the space. So there wasn't, you know, it wasn't um, debilitating. It wasn't, you know, intensifying on itself. You, when you said you were driving last night mm. and felt the anxiety, and then you thought about your friend who planned a party right. and was looking forward yep. to seeing you, and um, they, they, because the, that's part of my story too. Sure. Yeah. yeah they want to see you. Right. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's reason to see them, you know, someone's recently died. and um, So just made me think about, I guess, the balance of the coexistence, if that's the word, between the inner awareness and the... the, the, Outer reality of it. awareness too. Mm-hmm. That, um, how an awareness of 
okay, the meeting, um, it, and it's positive, you know, like what's happening can help you too. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, of yeah, course. Because really probably the whole thing is motivated by love yeah, yeah, in whatever yeah, form yeah. one, you know, yeah. it, it plays out. Sometimes it's not as obvious as other times. But yeah. I would, I would, one other thing I would recommend to you, um, and it's something that has helped me a lot, is when I'm with my family, to have in the back of my mind the awareness that each conversation could be the last. Okay. Okay. And now that can seem a little oppressive in a sense, you know, like it can have a kind of heavy weightiness to it, but honestly, it's it's so powerful. And I've been having those conversations with my mother the last few days. Every time Mm -hmm. we speak, I'm in the back of my mind. I don't know for sure that I'm going to get to speak to her again, you know? Mm. And, um, and so in this case, it's kind of acute, but, but um, generally speaking, you know, the truth is one of those times will be the last. Mm. Mm. And you don't live in the same area as they do, so the numbers of times you'll see them are probably, you know, obviously limited. Mm. Um, so just as a kind of as an ally you have like Carlos Castaneda said you have death over your left shoulder as an ally okay. as a reminder as a, as a, as a truth yeah. right yeah. and sometimes that can really first of all it may transform how you speak mm. right mm. and how easily you let go of the you know the nonsense of whatever irritations you're feeling. Hmm. And it also it also might transform how you hear anything they're saying. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, to listen at uh, a did different level. Yes. What's been said, yeah. From a different level, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes we react with family. We react because we don't agree or, you know, we don't agree about something or some way they perceive us or some judgment they might have or whatever. Mm-hmm. But often it's the case, if you look really deeply, you might see that part of what's motivating them is that they want the best for you. Mm. You know? Mm. Mm. That's not always the case, but, yeah. but, but sometimes yeah. it is. Sometimes it is the case that even though they're sort of telling you do something different with your life yeah. Yeah. or, you know, change this, um, and it can feel like an attack... Um, in fact, it might, if you can really see more deeply, you might see that, in fact, there's also love in it, that really they yeah. want something, you know, good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Some, something's being, uh, being offered, but yeah. it might not hit my spot. But yes, exactly. Nevertheless, some, something's being offered. Exactly, yeah. right.
Definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, just a quick um, one thing which is arising is that what might happen for me is some closing conversations on past trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not a rehashing, it's not a trying to go back, but it's things left unsaid or left... And I guess the phrase that comes up for me is to say that this is how it was for me. The conversations that haven't been had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's got a, a brevity to it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not wanting... And it's... And it feels it's not a disrespectful thing either. It's it, it's actually just speaking from me. Right. Just any sense of those sorts of conversations or, or where you place them? Because I guess it, it, it might not happen and that's fine too. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, not attached to this in a strong mm-hmm. way, but it seems to be arising. And do you do you envision some good is going to come of this? Um, the only good would be is that they've heard from me, or that I've spoken. Yeah. Is that the good is for you, or that they need to hear this? Um, but I'm not sure they need to hear it. But there's a gap of mm-hmm. things not being said. Mm-hmm. There's a wonderment of. Mm-hmm why I separated and why I didn't engage as much. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the communication is not quite there yeah. because of that. They might not like it, but, again, I'm not trying to get someone to agree with me. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, because I don't know the case, yeah, yeah. of course, but, but yeah. what I would say is that... If you can, ask yourself the simple question in your heart, what is the greatest good that will be served? Hmm. Now you may, in the answer, in your heart, it may be that you speak and that Hmm. you do see this serves the greater good in all ways, not Hmm. just for me, but for everyone, the whole constellation. Yeah, yeah. Um, Or you may look at it and think, hmm, you know, not that much good will come of this. I'll have the satisfaction of having spoken my heart, but maybe not much more good will come of it, or even mm-hmm. maybe some difficulty may come of it, which then has a blowback effect yeah. on you. Yeah. So then those are the kinds of movements that one starts to rely on is what is the mm-hmm. greater good? Mm-hmm. There are many things in my life that I have chosen just not to speak that would have felt incredibly satisfying and true, you know, Um, but that I've I've just chosen not to speak because it doesn't really serve the greater good. Mm, mm, mm. And, And I'm not even talking about, you know, I'm not even talking about being mean or anything. I'm just talking about certain certain statements of fact and clarity um, that would have been fair, Mm. but that I can see is not going to actually soothe anything. No, no. 
So those are the kinds of reflections that only you will know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. And and if there's an unsureness, maybe just hesitate and wait until there is until there's a sureness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's yeah, if the natural occasion arises. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. sometimes one does find oneself, even when you've thought, okay, well, I actually don't even need to talk about this now. But you find somehow the conversation flows in a gentle, meandering kind of way and that mm. the words are said. And then they can come out very gently, mm. you know, with love around them. Mm. And, and then it's a whole other kind of communication. Because another thing that, on the other side of that, the contrary picture of that is that if you have this burning thing to say, and that burning is driving the program, you know, sometimes it gets blurted out in all the wrong moments Mm -hmm. when it can't be heard, you know. Yeah. As we all know, you know, things explode out of people. you know, so to really kind of just, again, tuning into your own ease of being, you know, your own, everything's quiet in there, mm. and move from that. You know, before I called my mother this morning, I thought to myself, you know, should I, should I tell my mother thank you for being <laughs> Should I, should I, should I have, you know, like any kind of like, and I realized that would flip her out. She just would not like that. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I didn't. (laughs) This has been In the Deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private session by phone or Skype and see my schedule of upcoming events, such as our spectacular retreats in October of 2018 in Italy or in New Zealand in May of 2019. If you're a regular listener, please consider making either a one-time or a recurring tax-deductible donation in any amount that is comfortable for you. Till next time.